Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. We have merch. Check out the AmericanGlutton.net shop. We've got t-shirts, hoodies, hats, and more. A number of people have come up to me wearing American Glutton merch, and nothing fills my heart with more pride than seeing somebody in one of these t-shirts. And I've been stopped on the street and asked where to get it when somebody sees me in an American Glutton hoodie. Well, you can get it all at the shop on AmericanGlutton.net. And my favorite t-shirt, yesterday it was tomorrow, right now, is up now. Get it while supplies last. Hi, I'm Ethan Suplee. Welcome to American Glutton. Outside of acting, my two favorite things to do are diet and eat. I have a very complicated relationship with food, and on this podcast, we're going to talk about all of it. Food as entertainment. Food as sport. Food as fuel. I'll talk to experts and the average person, just like you and me. I hate to ask you to do anything, but if you're enjoying the show, please take a moment to like, subscribe, rate, review, all of the above on whatever app you're getting it from. My guest today is Gerald Ernat. He is a sports dietitian for the U.S. military and an online coach in nutrition and training. You can find him on Instagram at Gerald Ernat. Gerald Ernat, welcome to the American Glutton Podcast. Thank you so much. I appreciate it. I'm happy to chat today and, you know, kind of go over whatever we want to talk about. Yeah, I like I like your stuff online. It always has it's, there's some resonance of truth in it, and I get something out of it. But I I want to say like you are a dietitian for the U.S. military. Correct. Yes. What does that mean? Yeah. So uh, I work with a group of military members as part of a fitness program that is nationwide. So I work alongside strength coaches, athletic trainers, physical therapists, occupational therapists, um, and then a couple other kind of niche uh, professionals to help soldiers be healthier, be stronger, and just improve their overall quality of life. So like my childhood fantasy 
was always that, you know, the military were just these badasses. And if you showed up like at all out of shape, the military whipped you into shape. And I fully did visualize some secret group that was like, here's how we're going to get them to be in the best shape. And that's you. You're part of that. Yeah, it's it's really, really rewarding helping out uh, these these athletes. And, you know, just like anyone, there's uh, just like any population, there's definite, you know, high, high achievers and then the not so high achievers, too. So it's it's a really rewarding position. And we definitely have some ass kickers to help uh, that that we help. Yeah, that's amazing. That's really cool. I I, I think, you know some of that training seems so god awful to me um but like my picture of any like the standard like the minimum requirement right we're not talking about buds or whatever the delta guys do or something like that but like yeah. the minimum requirement is you got to be able to carry a heavy load over a long distance like that's what everybody's going through right yeah uh, pretty much you know with they're like fitness testing. It's called the ACFT, the Army Combat Fitness Testing. That's the type of testing that I'm associated with. And so they have to be really well-rounded as an athlete. They have to be strong. There's a there's a deadlift. There's a trap bar deadlift component to it. There is a plank. There is a two-mile run. There is a kind of a complex called the sprint drag carry where you have to sprint down and back. You have to drag a weighted sled and then you have to carry some kettlebells like a fireman carry. So there's, you have to be really, really well-rounded. There's push-ups in there too. So there's different components of fitness that they like to focus on. Well, I'm glad it's not just like let's batter these guys up with physical activity and see how they do. You know what I mean? I'm glad there's somebody back there who's going like, let's design this. Yeah. The, the military is really evolving. And I think they're, I mean, they're definitely getting smarter on the training methodologies on how to be overall healthy and not just, you know, dig these people into the ground. Cause previously, like back in the day, it was, you know, you run, you do push-ups and sit-ups until you're blue in the face and that's it. And that's where we saw, well, people see a lot of like overuse injuries, um, just running so much. And a lot of times when in doubt in the military, the, the leaders just say, we're going on a five mile run. Right. And a lot of times people aren't ready for that. Yeah. I can't imagine a five mile run. I couldn't do a five mile run. I, I mean, I'm just a terrible runner. I have, um, I probably would not cut it in the military at, at, at any point in my life. I have, and I know they, I, I looked into this too. So I know that there are exceptions like flat feet don't just automatically get you out of potential service. It's there's a degree of flat feet, but I have severe flat feet. I have paddles for feet. Really? Yeah. Yeah. There's, there's definitely exceptions to those kind of arbitrary rules for sure. Um, but when working with soldiers, like we work around those issues and medical problems. So a lot of times if soldiers are, um, 
if they have like a knee injury, they have a foot injury or something like that. There are alternate events and fitness tests that they can do to stay within the standards. Yeah. But then also that's where we come into play is like, Hey, where's the, the injury recovery from nutrition, the rehab from physical therapy and occupational therapy, and then the strength and conditioning to work around those injuries and still allow for them to do their job and be healthy and in shape. Yeah. Um, I, for the longest time, have thought of America as being the kind of torchbearer for obesity in, in the world. And, and I actually, in, in looking into it recently, found we're not number one. We're, we're, I don't even know that we're the top 10. I think maybe we are, but we're not number oh, wow. one. We're not the top three. Strangely enough, there are these uh, islands that have, you know, they're a far smaller populations, but they have... Um, mm -hmm a higher uh, rate of obesity than we do. Um, but as far as America goes, I can't talk to those islands because I have no, no data about them and I'd never lived in any of these places. So I have no idea what's going on there. But as far as yeah. America is concerned, what do you think some of the major contributing issues are to this crisis? Y you know, we're talking a lot about fitness, which I think is real interesting, but I, I do think of, I, I'm sure a big part of the obesity issue in America is that we're moving less, but I think it, it probably is mostly how we're eating. Yeah, I think I think it's a healthy balance of both of those. Uh, if you have a lower socioeconomic status, you're kind of struggling when it comes to finances. Um, a lot of times in my experience and kind of in the real world, if a single mom of or something has to provide for their family and get a quick bite to eat, you know, it's, it's tough to, you know, make a really well balanced, nutritious meal, um, on $20 for a full family. Right. So what do they resort to? They resort to going through McDonald's or, you know, X fast food chain and getting their money's worth and what's associated with those foods is they're hyper palatable. So they're really, really tasty, but they're very, very calorie dense too. So it's very much easier to overconsume those types of foods. Now it's not to say that they're bad by any means, right? But it's just from a nutrient calorie composition, there's um, definite differences between each. Yeah. Yeah. It, it, it you know, I, I mean, there's a, I'm I'm awash with ideas of like, you know, like you said, they're not bad, right? I don't want to moralize anything. Um, but if we take a point of view that obesity is a negative um, and the rate of obesity in America is a negative, then it, it becomes hard for me in that context to not think of certain things as good or bad. And, and I know I also sure. think of like the, the dose makes the poison. And so like there's nothing wrong with a Big Mac. Right. Like, yes, I look at a Big Mac and I'm not going, you're evil. But when I think about, you know, 100 trillion served or whatever the motto is, you know, when I was a kid, it was 65 million and then it was billions. And I don't know yeah. what it is now. It's got to be it's got to be way up there. I don't even know if they sure. advertise that anymore. But like a billion Big Macs. OK, do we need a billion Big Macs? That's you know, that's a lot of Big Macs. That might be bad. I, I was asked recently, and I would love to hear your thoughts on this, but I was asked recently if I was um, hopeful that this situation could reverse itself. Are you? As far as obesity goes? Yeah. 
You know, that's a really great question. I feel like I'm kind of on the fence with that too. I, I'm a little skeptical about like it completely reversing because yeah. I think it'll always be a problem, especially with, you know, how we are trending as a society, as far as like commodity foods, you know, we're all about convenience when it comes to food, but then also transportation too. And that's a huge factor. Like I've had, I've had a previous coach in the past where he lived in the UK and he walked everywhere. So it was much, much easier to maintain his body composition, body, his weight, um, or lose weight if that was his goal, as opposed to someone like myself, where I, not everything is within walking distance to me. So I have to travel 20 minutes to work every, every morning. And, you know, if you work a desk job, like myself and like a lot of people in the world, it's really tough to get in a good amount of activity throughout the day, if, especially if you're strapped to your desk for eight hours. Yeah. Yeah. I, I feel like I'm not super optimistic about that. You know, I, yeah. I, I, I then, I then thought there, there is also the aspect where I go like, what, what happens if, you know, let's say uh, these new peptides uh, that are super appetite, suppressing right yes and they're and they're not like the stuff they had when i was a kid which was basically speed you want to lessen yeah. the appetite we're gonna <laughs> jack you up on speed so these yeah. things seem at this point with uh with the amount of people that have taken them for diabetes they seem okay like you don't have people dying of strokes from this stuff um and if they explode in the way i suspect they will for weight then could there be the chain reaction where, you know, suddenly we're putting huge swaths of these fast food establishments out of business simply because people are less hungry? Yeah, that's a really interesting like concept. Thinking about that is, you know, in a perfect world, that sounds great. And by all means, I'm not trying to put businesses out of no, commission by any right. means, but, you know, it's they they have a time and a place just like any other tool in your in your diet toolbox and they have been shown to be helpful especially when you stack on healthy diet and lifestyle behavior changes too so you know just with anything i I've, I've had experience with people that are taking like semaglutide and they aren't losing an ounce of weight. And that's because they're not focused on the big picture stuff, which is, you know, your nutrition and your, your activity throughout the day. So I've worked with, I worked at a bariatric weight loss clinic for a period of time. And a lot of these individuals just thought that, Hey, I'm going to get this surgery and all my problems are going to be solved. And then they get the surgery and the time that we worked with each other before surgery to prep them for it and say, Hey, this is a lot of changes that you're going to need to make to even after surgery to maintain this weight loss. And they've gone through the surgery. They haven't made any changes. And then a year later, they're back to their regular body weight. They're, you know, obese body weight and they're back to square one. Right. So, and the root of it all is going to be those behavior changes down to its core pretty much. Yeah, I, I had a I talked to a guy over the weekend who I hadn't seen in a couple of years and I saw him and he had lost a bunch of weight. And I was like, oh, my God, you look great. And he said, I got on Ozempic and I was mm -hmm. like, well, you look great. And he said, yeah, but it stopped working. So 
he he was at whatever the max dose is and he's mm-hmm. not and so he was now in a place where he was like now i have to actually diet and and i'm yeah. ho- i'm hopeful that it will actually make dieting more conducive to his life you know that's a mm-hmm. possibility so that's there but but yeah i think what what you're saying is like i think first of all you know the the people who are who are trying to lose 20, 30, 40 pounds, and they're using this, if they're just going on and off of it, I think we can, we will see some really bad outcomes down the road in a couple of years. You know, we'll see body fat percentage higher simply because if you do it and you're not hungry and you're not changing anything and you're not increasing Mm -hmm. protein and you're not doing any resistance training and you're just kind of like almost fasting that 40 pounds off, you'll lose some lean tissue. And then when you put the 40 pounds back on, you likely won't put that lean tissue back on, you know? And so that, that's concerning. Um, Absolutely. Especially if you're, Oh, sorry. No, no, go ahead. No, please. I was just gonna say, especially if you're not like, you know, resistance training or anything, you're, you're not going to put on good weight. Right. And it's not going to be the, the body weight, that uptick in body weight that we want, which is muscle mass, which is, you know, that longevity hack, so to speak, right? right. It's just gonna, it's only going to help you in the long run. Yeah. Yeah. It's a, it's a weird, it's a, it's a weird, amazing time. I, I, as a kid, um, can remember dreaming of like, why don't they just have a pill? Why don't they just have, uh, some medicine yes. that will solve this for me? And it seems like from all appearances, this is what they've got. Like the thing I dreamt of when I was a kid, we'll see, like, you know, for me, Mm -hmm. the jury's still out to some degree, but it does seem like that miracle thing. And now with anything, you could use it wisely or you could use it in a dumb way or, or, you know, and so, and and also like whatever, whatever my ideal is in my head doesn't have to be everybody's ideal. If you're just a gal who's like, I don't care about anything you just said. I want to take the 40 pounds off. I want to live my life. I want to make zero changes and I'm happy to do this Mm -hmm. twice a year for a month or two, you know? Okay. Fair. Yeah. I mean, to each their own. Right. Um, but to kind of go off of what you previously, previously, I, I definitely, um, know kind of your story and it's, pretty freaking awesome on how far that you've come in your own, you know, nutrition and fitness journey too. And we have a lot of similarities in that regard too. Cause I myself thought, Oh, well, I I struggled with my weight and I thought the same thing. I was like, if only there was a pill, if only there was this medication or something and it would solve all my problems. And, you know, there was even a point in time where I thought it was kind of hopeless and I wasn't going to make those changes and I was like, well, you know, down the road, maybe I can just get weight loss surgery then, and that'll solve all my problems. And, yeah. you know, come to find out that that's not really how it works if you want sustainable weight loss changes too. So no, totally. Um, um the, the, you know, the pill and the weight loss surgery and any of these options too, and any diet I really did that where the focus was, I need to lose X amount of weight, where that is the only criteria, the only goal that's I'm, I'm narrowly looking at life and going like the only really, the only real thing that matters is this weight loss. Mm. There are so many, uh, pitfalls to that. 
Um, and I've been trying to talk about it a little bit on social media. I don't know if I don't feel I don't know that I'm saying it coherently enough, but it's the same thing with like when I used to hear lifestyle change, that word like or those words lifestyle change, it made my skin crawl. It just made me it irritated me. And <clears throat> once I had actually done lifestyle change, I was like, oh, I get it now. But it really required me doing it to to understand it, to to get what mm -hmm. those people were talking about and to go like, oh, my God, they were right. That's what it takes. It takes lifestyle change, you know. But we're in America where like we have pretty much everything we want and we have it immediately. And like, yeah, there's nothing fun about lifestyle change. It's not easy and it's mm -hmm. not fast. And it's um, and if you are still coming from the perspective that you all you need to do is lose this weight to have this problem solved it's very difficult to see another perspective that like maybe experiencing weight loss as a byproduct rather than the 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 sole goal might might make it more lasting you know Absolutely. Yeah. And that's why a lot of times when I work with, with individuals, whether in my primary job or like in the online space, it's one quote that I find myself saying constantly is if we focus on the food and the exercise, we focus on those changes, the body composition changes are just going to follow. And it's almost like that side effect, right? Yeah. And we're not focused on the outcome. Then we're focused on those steps to get to that outcome. I wonder if like, to your point, do you have these guys stay away from scales and measurements and even thinking about that at, at all? Is that part of it for some people? In specific scenarios, I won't have people monitor their body weight regularly, but most of the cases, if I'm not seeing any red flags when it comes to like relationships with food, or if they have a really skewed relationship with food, I just focus on some dietary patterns right off the bat. But in people that maybe are a little bit more advanced, they have none of those red flags showing. I am all for like, hey, why don't we monitor our body weight on a regular basis? Now, does it have to be every single day? No, but a few times a week, three, four, five times a week and taking more of a an average of that, that is one of the most effective tools of self-monitoring. And I don't know about you, but like in my experience and personal and professional, when I start noticing my body weight kind of creep up in a certain area, I'm like, okay, time to kind of dial it down a little bit. I, I need to kind of focus on those actionable steps then. So from a research perspective, that self-monitoring is one of the most effective things to for weight management. And that goes to um, a variety of levels too. It doesn't have to necessarily be calorie or macro tracking. It could be tracking your body weight. It could be, hey, I'm going to focus on a certain set amount of meals on a day. I'm I'm a four meals a day kind of person. That's just what works for me. And I know, hey, this is kind of my form of self-monitoring. I'm going to have these four meals and then I can kind of stack on top of that. Well, what are the composition of those meals and go from there? Yeah, no, listen, I... I uh... Today, I'll sometimes weigh myself twice a day. Like I'm, I'm all yeah. about the scale, but I'm thinking about like, it took me 
damn near 15 years to get to a place where I was being radically honest with myself. And for those 15 mm. years, my sole focus was a number. And if I, if I, and I believed that if I got to that number, I was done. And so that was a, that was an unhealthy relationship with the scale, you know, and I'm not mm -hmm. even saying I'm not going to bullshit you because as a sober person, I also find honesty to be difficult. It's something I have to actually work at. And so I was thoroughly capable of lying to myself and, and by default lying to everybody around me almost, almost constantly without even trying. Right. And so I have to actually try like, what is the most honest I can be with myself? My relationship with the scale today sucks. I'm never happy with it um, unless mm. it's going down. If it's going down, but I, I recognize that as irrational. And so now I, I, I get on the scale. I feel that disappointment and I go like, okay, what, what number would have made me feel good? Okay. Why, why would that be correct? Oh, it's not correct. The number there is correct. I haven't done mm -hmm. it. Like if I'm being completely, you know, I have to have this fucking conversation. Like I'm a schizophrenic in my head Yeah, and, and I get through it. Um, but I'm more thinking about like the 15 years I spent chasing a number and what would happen is I'd get to the mm -hmm. number and then I'd be like, okay, whatever. I'm done with the diet. And I'd maybe weigh in a couple more times and then I'd just stop and I wouldn't weigh in until I gained yeah. 40, 50 pounds, you know, getting back on the scale the yeah. next time would be devastating. And so like when you're, when you were talking about initially just focusing on the food and the exercise, I'm literally thinking like, if, if somebody had convinced me in the beginning, we're not trying to lose weight right now. All we're trying to do is switch out these habits, these relationships. Like if you are mm -hmm. eating fast food three times a day, let's get it down to two and then think about one down the road. Right. So like it, it would have been very hard for me to do that because I wasn't, I wasn't ever for many years thinking about changing my life. I was thinking about just this weight loss. That was the only component to it. Whereas mm -hmm. when I think about my life today, how would you like to look five years younger? In a clinical study, people that had volume added with Juvederm Voluma XC in the cheeks perceived themselves as looking five years younger at six months after treatment. Look younger, feel like you. Add volume for lift and contour in the cheeks with Juvederm Voluma XC. Reverse signs of aging by adding volume to smooth laugh lines with Juvederm Volure XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Hold up. 
What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters, May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. I, I don't eat fast food. I just don't. I mean, it's like maybe mm-hmm. once a year. And that's because my wife says she discovered something called Freddy's steak burgers. And like you have yeah. it's saying you have to eat this. And it's like, really, do I really? And she's mm-hmm. like, yes, you have to. And so I find myself eating a Freddy steak burger. And of course, yeah. it's been sitting in a bag for an hour and it's cold. And I'm like, this sucks. And I'm not so excited. But I, I imagine if you got it piping hot, it would be amazing. But like, that's, you know, what do you think of that? Do you think that that is useful. I also don't think everybody's the same as me. I don't think everybody's lying and an addict and a, you know, just dirt bag like I am. <laughs> no, I, I, I agree. I think, um, you know, it's always going to be a work in progress too. Like you mentioned, that's, I, I've struggled with that personally too, is like, Hey, when I get here, I've, I've made it kind of situation, but in your career and your nutrition and your fitness goals and really anything, if you want to be successful in it, you got to just continue to, you know, hone that skill. Right. And I have a lot of conversations with people when it comes to their nutrition. And I say this, this isn't like a get skinny quick program. That's going to set you up for failure in, in the long run. And I don't want to really worry about, the next three months, I want to worry about the next 30 years of your life. And so a lot of times in my, in my primary job working with soldiers, we have a program for people that exceed their current weight or body composition, like metrics. There's some standards within the military that soldiers have to abide by. And so my role is to help these individuals that are struggling with their weight get to a better body composition and they have a certain time frame to get off of this program but a lot of the conversations that i had with them is hey this isn't a get off the program quick scheme because anybody can do that and if they get back on that program within a certain time frame so they do it like they get on the program twice within like a year or so they get kicked out of the military. They get fired essentially. So that's where I am trying to break that mold of, Hey, we're not going to extreme diet and severely restrict ourselves and make our weight requirements and make our body composition standards only to blow back up after a month. And then you get that, that taping or that measure again. And then you set yourself up for failure. Yeah. Is it easy to, is it, uh, I'm, I'm just, 
I don't I don't really know a whole lot about how the military operates on the day to day. But like in my mind, and I guess that's this is not true because there's like people who live in houses and are in the military and they go home and they go to the grocery store and stuff. Right. Like I'm mm -hmm. thinking like everybody's going to the mess hall three times a day to eat that is it easy to eat well or or is it is the food good is it or is it fast are they serving them cheeseburgers all day long yeah there's so there's a, a healthy mix of both, like two populations basically there's one where it's essentially the soldiers are in the barracks which is basically like college dorm rooms and they they don't a lot of times they don't have access to like a fully fledged kitchen, but most of them do. And so they can make food and they can make meals and prepare them in kind of that dorm room setting. Uh, and then there's also another population where they live in an actual like house. Right. And right. so some people commute to work. They live off of a military base or they live on base but in a, a regular home then. And so there are dining facilities uh, on the bases and they have a wide variety of foods that are nutritious. They also provide some more fun foods, right? So right. sometimes they have a short line where it's a burger and French fries or a hot dog or you name it, right? But there are so many other nutritious options at the dining facilities. And there are some regu regulatory rules and laws that need to be met um, like to provide have, nutritious food. They have to food. provide vegetables. Is it like something yeah, like that? there's a bunch of different like regulations saying, hey, you need to be serving at least so many vegetables on the salad bar. You need to be serving so many fruits at, at each you know service. Um, you need to provide so many different types of drink options for them. So there's there's a lot of standards in place. And I mean, I've eaten at these dining facilities and you can make a wonderful, well-balanced, nutritious plate and that still aligns with your goals. And so those are the conversations that I have with soldiers. If they only have access to the dining facilities, I, I will take them through and say, okay, take me through what you're doing in the dining facility. And then we'll focus on portions and amounts and, and the list goes on. Right. And then there's the other type of soldier that will, you know, buy their own food and grocery shop and they make the majority of their meals at home or their significant other or their partner is making them for them. So that's a kind of another conversation that I have is, okay, well, what are we doing at home? How is your partner preparing these meals? Are you the main maker of those meals? And so those are the types of conversations that we have. And so it's, it's a good healthy a mix. mix of fast food. Well, not really fast food, but like dining facility type, like mess halls, and then people that have more control of their nutrition too. Yeah. I will say for me, I find it um, far easier to, you know, and I'm and I'm going to use language that I don't really like to eat good or clean, right? Which I think is BS. Um, when I'm completely responsible for it, when I'm going to the grocery store, choosing what I'm cooking, and then cooking it for myself, I, I find it very hard because I travel quite a bit for work to be yeah. in, in another place. And especially if I'm there for like 
three days and I, I'm not in an apartment, I'm in a hotel and it's like, mm-hmm. so now I'm not cooking, right? So now I'm utterly subjected to somebody else and not knowing did they, is this cooked in olive oil or butter? You know, for, that makes a difference. I, I, I want a little bit more yeah. omega threes than I, you know, I'd prefer the olive oil. Um, and then suddenly also you're looking at a menu and, you know, stuff is jumping off the page to my mind and saying, eat me. Mm-hmm. And, you know, the steamed fish is never that. I have to, no. it, you know, that's a conversation. That's one of these ridiculous conversations I have to have with myself asking for sauce on the side. And, you know, God forbid I forget to do any of those steps. And then I get the thing and it's like, how hard would it be to ask them to take it back and remake? It's too hard. And I'm embarrassed to be like, yeah, hearing about it. And so I'm then eating sauce. Um, so I imagine going to a mess hall, like I love hot dogs. Hot dogs are delicious. French fries are delicious. Yeah. It's hard to go and choose the salad bar when mm-hmm. you've got the option of a, a delicious hot dog and French fries. Yeah. And, you know, I, I do get some people that would say like, hey, I just, this stuff is just right here. It's tasty. I'm, I'm going to opt for that. And I always just try and stress like, hey, there's got to be that healthy balance, right? Not not every one of your meals should be focused on that, especially if you have weight loss or even weight management goals in mind. Um, but there needs to be some compromise. It's It, it goes with anything in life, right? Where uh, I I use the analogy with not too long ago with a, with a group of individuals. And I said, um, someone said, well, what if you don't like any vegetables? Or what if I, well, they said, what, what if I won't eat, if I can't eat any vegetables? And I said, can you not eat vegetables or will you not eat vegetables? Right. And so I got a couple Snickers from that one, but it's, it's true. It's, it's one of those things where, Hey, there's plenty of options out there. If you hate broccoli for whatever reason, you don't need to just choke down broccoli to be healthy. There's 5,000 other vegetables that can fill you up give you plenty of nutrition and uh, you can prioritize your health. So again, it, the analogy I was going to say is I, I don't always like eating vegetables, just like I don't always like paying my bills, but if I want to keep a roof over my head, I got to pay my bills. And so if I want to make sure I'm getting in all the vitamins and minerals and nutrients and live a, a healthy life, I got to get in some vegetables every, uh, every day. Yeah, vegetables are for sure tricky because like for me to make a vegetable like super enjoyable requires a bunch of oil or mm-hmm. or fat. And then I can then I can get into it. Yeah. On on its own, it's not fun. Like a steak with a little salt is fun. There's nothing fun about broccoli and salt for me. I'm sure there's sure. some vegans out there that love broccoli. I don't. Mm-hmm. But I will say that like I feel pretty crummy when my fiber levels drop out the floor and I'm not forcing myself to eat vegetables. And so like, that's why I eat them, you know? Mm -hmm. Yeah. And another thing that I recommend all the time is like use spices. Don't be afraid of them. They're, they're calorie free, make them tasty. Uh, Adding a little bit of oil isn't going to kill you either. So if you want to saute stuff, by all means, go for it. And you know, salt, pepper, you name it, Cajun seasoning, the yes, your oyster. They can be delicious. Yes. I'm not saying like yeah. in any ship, you know, like the little kid, no matter what you put, if it's green, they're just making a face. That's not me. Yeah. But yeah. but like, you know, sometimes 
you know, I, I want a quarter cup of olive oil on my, you know, four uh-huh. ounces of yeah. broccoli. You know what I mean? I want it to be equal parts. Yeah. Which is, which I is totally not- understand. Yeah. It's a, the, there's a, there's a nice balance. Yeah, for sure. And then they have those, those sprays where it's like, you know, uh, zero calories for a quarter second spray and you can get extra vir- virgin olive oil spray or yeah. coconut oil or avocado oil or any of that stuff. And I'm like, you know, my yeah. instinct is just to hit it 300 times for a quarter second. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, to- totally understand. And kind of finding that loophole then to to get um, to get a little bit more fats and a little bit more flavor into your in your veggies. Yeah, exactly. W- what do you think of the uh, battle? I guess it's not really a battle. I mean. You know, this this probably comes down to like how I program my algorithm and I, I probably relate more to carnivores because I I like meat more than vegetables. I, I but I do. Mm-hmm. I'm not such a fan of like the carnivore diet, but I don't remember ever. I mean, I, I can recall being a kid and and the advent of Atkins happening and being put on Atkins, but that wasn't like meat only. Um, mm-hmm. so the, the, the meat only movement seems fairly new to me. I, I don't know of any instance of advocating for meat only historically, or certainly since like fad dieting has taken over, but it's, so it seems new. What do you think of meat only? I'm, I'm really not a big fan. Um, I'm a meat eater. I love, I, I grew up on a farm. My, my father and my family raised beef cattle, so I'm no stranger to that. Um, but there are certain nutrients and vitamins and minerals and antioxidants that you can't get through only meat. And so fiber being one of them, like you mentioned before, fiber is one of the most influential things when it comes to our overall health. And there's, there's research supporting that for every 10 grams of fiber that we take in in a day, we reduce our risk of all-cause mortality by 10%. And so that alone makes me want to advocate for fruits and vegetables and fibrous grains in, in our everyday life. Um, so yeah, that's, that's the big one for me is it doesn't have to be so extreme to lose weight or manage your health. Um, and you might be, and you're most likely causing more harm than good by going on an only steak diet. Right. Yeah. And now for a period of time, cool, right? Like there's, you know, a lot of people get motivated by doing a certain type of diet for a a shorter duration of time. And I'm not completely opposed to it, but if you're going for, for prolonged periods of time without specific nutrients that are health promoting, that's where I find a lot of issues are going to arise from it. Yeah, my my tinfoil hat conspiracy theory take is is that you know that the people who are advocating for carnivore don't even realize it but they're just like working for the US government who their largest agriculture subsidies go to feed crops mm. to feed mostly beef and the marketing people who when I was a kid did beef it's what's for dinner with Sam Elliott which was a just a fantastic commercial 
are yeah. now just taking it a step further and going like, we need to sell more beef because we're so heavily subsidizing it. Let's just tell people to only eat beef. And it's just the, the wildest mm -hmm. thing ever. I don't know why, you know, they're not being called government shills for playing into one of America's biggest, uh, you know, industries, but you know, apparently I, I, I don't know. That's, that's, that's not entirely sincere, but I think that that might be how it's happened, you know, like by accident. I, I'm sure there has been some influence in that. And I, I've heard it all from like more of that, like tin, tin hat aspect of big beef, big pharma, big sugar, big name, whatever the heck you want. Um, and so, yes, of course, there's going to be people that have agendas and they're going to be promoting certain things for their own financial gain. Uh, I, I think there is some influence, right, with, with certain demographics, but uh, I try not to stress too much over that. And, you know, my mindset and my practice when helping people is why, why not both? Why, why do you have to go to such extremes? Why, no, yeah, why can't we you, you kind preach of live in moderation. <laughs> yeah, you, you preach moderation yeah. really well. I, that's, that's, that's what I appreciate. You know, like, I, I also think, like, it's, it's hard to escape our perspective, right? My perspective was always weight loss. And then I, I, mm -hmm. I, I lost weight a bunch of times. I gained weight a bunch of times. I've, I, I maintained my weight now for a number of years. And now I for sure am more interested in health than weight loss. Like there's only a certain amount of weight I could lose at this point before, uh, you know, when I do lose weight, I get to the point where it's like, oh my God, my body's freaking out and miserable and I'm hungry all the time mm -hmm. and I can't live like that. And so like yeah. finding my, my kind of equilibrium has been important and I've basically found it and like, yeah, okay. If I got a job and I want to get a little lean, I'll be kind of grumpy for a while and I'm okay with that. Or I got to <laughs> I want to yeah. take a picture with my shirt off. I'm going to diet for that. And then I know sure. like those five pounds or 10 pounds are coming back and that's fine. Yeah. Yeah. And you know, it's not a long-term thing, right? No. It's not, it's not a forever thing. Exactly. And it, you know, the flip side is though now I am more interested in health. So I am looking at things like are there supplements I should take? Cuz there weren't really for weight loss. But now it's like maybe an omega 3 is going to help my health. Maybe you know, but that mm -hmm. wasn't my primary driver. So when I but I will say there were a number of times I was pulled onto a diet or a regimen because I was kind of sold that I needed to have those kind of health improvements in order to lose weight. D does that make sense? Like I, I can remember one where, where I was like losing weight fairly fine. And then somebody introduced me to Dr. Gundry and it was like, Oh, you got to cut out lectins because you're because of mm -hmm. inflammation and that's slowing your weight loss. And And it's like, listen, I get it if you have an autoimmune disease and that's why you're altering your diet. You know, you're ch making changes based on a physical condition. But like, I think for, for the people out there that are trying to lose weight and are selling you that like, you're going to have better brain function on keto. It's like, okay, but that has nothing to do with why they 
started doing keto, which was weight loss. Like, let's yeah. not switch, move the the finish lines for these people. Do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Yeah, trying to go down like a, a an unnecessary rabbit hole, basically. Right. And and if weight loss is your primary driver and you're suddenly going to be eating in a way where it's like, well, I can only do this for 30, 60, 90 days because this is so mm-hmm. such a departure from how I could possibly live my life forever. You know, I don't know. I, I, I really do think like find some structure that's like a forever structure that's also mm-hmm. amenable to weight loss, but focus on the structure. Like if, if, if you're doing keto for 30 days and expecting that that's going to be a permanent solution to your weight, like, I don't know if you're going to be happy with it. Yeah. Yeah. I, I don't know about you, but like doing something like that for the rest of my life sounds absolutely miserable because I couldn't do it. I like cake. I like cookies. I like, you know, rice and potatoes. My, one of my favorites. Yeah. So, you know, I, it's another saying that I really, really uh, like is from Stan Efferding. I'm not sure if you, you, you know of him, but he always coins the term compliance is the science. Right. And so that the best diet is the one that you can stick to. Um, I'm a big fan of his I, mash, the mash he makes. I haven't like- had it. It's so great. I mean, look, that's another thing where I where I think he probably eats it quite a bit more than I do. But when I make yeah. it, it's easy meal prep and it's got mm-hmm. everything in it. And you're not like you don't have to set. You just got one bowl. There you go. There's your meal. It's got everything mm-hmm. you need. It's great. Yeah, uh, he's he gives some really sound advice. And, um, you know, there he has kind of a method that works for him and a lot of his people that he works with. And, you know, it's nothing crazy. Uh, so yeah. Yeah. He's awesome. Uh, and he's also a bad, total badass. Yeah. Yeah. You know, an animal. So I have a question for you, actually hit me. What, what do you, what works for you? Like now, what, what are you finding with like, you know, going through all of your kind of paths in the past? What have you found to be most successful for you when it comes to like your nutrition and fitness? Staying away from processed foods as much as possible. And, and I say that with the caveat that if I'm eating processed foods, I'm trying to eat something that is like a high protein processed food like a mm-hmm. you know a low fat beef stick if i'm going to get a beef stick that that i do consider a processed food but i'll get like you know chomps mm-hmm. makes a turkey stick that's not swimming in fat um yeah. i like these maui nui venison sticks you know you're only getting 6 grams of protein but it's only 60 calories so it's not you're not you're not overwhelmed you know like a slim jim i'm never going to eat a slim jim mm-hmm. today that's just off yeah. a- and um Occasionally I'll eat, uh, there's a company called legendary foods, which makes these pop tarts that are high protein. Pop yeah. tarts. I don't want to eat that every day, but that's like as processed as I get. Um, mm-hmm. for the most part, I'm eating foods that have one word ingredients, uh, chicken, rice, potato, broccoli. And if I'm eating something that's got lots of 
ingredients, it's going to be a mash made of one word ingredients or a salad, yeah. you know, something like that. And then I still have to, you know, well, for, for, for a couple of years when I was like first figuring out maintenance, I was really diligent with writing down, doing all the math for staying within a caloric window. I don't do that at all ever anymore. Um, but I did spend years doing it so I can kind of eyeball what a meal, mm -hmm. what an appropriate meal is. And I will say that I, I spent so many years blowing past any kind of satiety markers that my, or signals that my body was registering. I don't know. Maybe I didn't have them, but like I, it got to the point where eating for me to the point of I don't I you can't even use the word satiety because it was like I wanted to feel mm -hmm. full. I wanted, you know, I I wanted to like the idea of eating a good meal would be like you got to go lay on the couch. Like you're so full, you're yeah. incapacitated. So like I Thanksgiving I, post meal. Yes, I don't do yeah. that anymore. I in fact, even on Thanksgiving I don't do that anymore. Like that for me is that there are some you know, I'm also sober and and sobriety is works well for me abstinence works well for me but you can't mm -hmm. be abstinent from food you have to eat and so i need other guardrails that i i treat in a similar way so i i very much don't eat desserts i i if i do i'm gonna have like a a, a, a car a thing of halo top which is yeah you know, 330 calories on average mm -hmm. and even that i've i when I first discovered those that got out of hand, I started eating those every night and I, and I very soon went like, well, 60 grams of carbohydrates right before bed every single night is not a good mm -hmm. idea. I have to put the brakes on this. This is like a once a month thing for me now, you know, or like I got to give up rice at one of my meals or two of my meals or something like that, but it's not just a freebie. So there's lots of like, things I do, but I do really try, you know, I, I feel, um, small details are big surfaces, tight corners are odd shapes, flat, rounded, textured, or tall, whatever your next project, there's a spray paint pattern. That's just right. Because Rust-Oleum's new custom spray five in one gives you control with five different spray patterns. So you can tackle nooks, crannies, edges, and curves without worrying about drips, runs, uneven coverage, or anything else. Custom Spray 5-in-1, only from Rust-Oleum. Hold up, what was that? Boring, no flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Why don't more infant formula companies use organic, grass-fed whole milk instead of skim? Why don't more infant formula companies use the latest breast milk science? Why don't more infant formula companies run their own clinical trials? Why don't more infant formula companies use more of the proteins found in breast milk? Why don't more infant formula companies have their own factories instead of outsourcing their manufacturing? We wondered the same thing. So we made Byheart a better formula for formula. 
Learn more at byheart.com. I've heard some people who have kind of these ideas about how we solve the obesity crisis in America talk about like just ending processed foods with a, a, a target, creating a target out of uh, high fructose corn syrup, corn, corn stuff and sugar and they're mm-hmm. very anti that stuff. And I don't consume a lot of that. I mean, I almost never consume that. If I'm working out really hard, I might drink a Gatorade at the gym, mm-hmm. but I can't tell you the last time I did that. It's probably been a year since I've done that. So I guess yeah. I'm not working out that hard. But um, I don't know that that solves the crisis because when I was younger, one of the diets I tried was just like, you know, I think it was um, a blood type diet. So the blood type diet eliminated processed foods and it, it limited mm-hmm. it, it limited food even more drastically than just processed foods but there are no you know or um what's another one i did for uh the, the yeast in your blood candida that also eliminates processed foods i think i initially lost weight on both of those diets but then long term i started to put weight back on because i can eat a lot of food you know like yeah you put chicken and broccoli and rice and olive oil in front of me. I'll eat three plates of that. Now mm-hmm. you take the olive oil out or you make me measure the olive oil and the amount that I can consume comes down real small. I cannot eat just dry pasta. I can't do it. And good yep. pasta sauce has a lot of fat in it. So like that's out too. I can't, you know, if you just did crushed tomatoes and garlic, I don't know how much of that I'm getting through, but if you give me Parmesan cheese, I'm in, I'll eat a gigantic <laughs> bowl of it. Game and on, so, yeah. yeah. And so the same thing with like keto and stuff, I'm a savory guy. You tell me I can eat ribeye steaks and that's it. I'll overeat ribeye steaks. I will mm-hmm. way overdo that. And so I'm more focused on being honest about fats because I think I spent so long demonizing carbohydrates that like it's completely innate. It's like I'm scared of carbohydrates in my core because I believed at one point that they were the mm-hmm. cause of me being overweight. When I started eating them again, I realized very quickly that I had a hard time overeating carbohydrates without fat. And so those are the two things I've really like thinking about, like fat and carbs. Protein is pretty much free, but I recognize that all my protein sources, for the most part, shrimp is very, very low in fat. White fish is very, very low in fat. So I'm not thinking about fat at all in that. And I'm not even thinking about fat when I'm eating a chicken breast that doesn't have skin on it. But Mm -hmm. I know I'm getting some fat. Um, Was that just way too long and complicated? No, not at all. Not at all. It's, it was very insightful. I, I, you made a lot of awesome points that, um, you know, I speak about, uh, with people all of the time, just helping them with their own nutrition. And then also there's a lot of similarities to kind of how I operate too. Yeah. Those one word ingredients while not having, not allowing the fats to flow freely, like broccoli, I can't overeat broccoli. I'm not going to do it. Yeah. Olive oil, I will overeat. So I have to mm-hmm. be careful of that. Rice, I probably could overeat 
a, a certain types of rice. So I mm-hmm. measure, I measure that to a degree. Like I can eyeball about a cup of rice and I'm not mm-hmm. really having more than that at any meal. And if I'm like feeling really frisky and I'm going to throw a little, you know, toasted sesame oil, which is another thing that's being demonized because it's a seed oil. Sorry. I'll occasionally eat toasted sesame oil. It's going to be a few drops. You know what I mean? It's, it will Mm -hmm. not get out of hand because I know it can get out of hand so quickly. Sure. Yeah. And it just always goes back to that. The dose makes the poison, right? Right. You can overdo it on any foods. You can overdo it on really anything and it's likely not to be going to be healthy for you. Same thing with like exercise. You think you take a look at like these extreme sports and like high level athletes, it's not necessarily health promoting. They're right. beating their bodies into the ground to perform at their absolute best and be at the highest level too. Yeah. My 18 year old daughter really likes lifting weights and is always so disappointed that I have no idea what my one lift maxes are on anything. I yeah. I just have no idea. And I'm like, uh-huh. well, I pretty much work out with 225 to 250 on the bench press. Like, that's what I, I know I can lift that. And she's like, but mm-hmm. that's all you can lift. And I'm like, no, I could probably do more. <laughs> I'm doing that 12 times at least every yeah. set. And she's like, she's, it, I mean, it like hurts her in her soul. And, and I say to her, like, I'm almost 50 years old. You're 18. Like, I don't need to know what my one, well, who cares? Yeah. I'm strong enough. Who are you trying to prove? Yeah. What's it? Yeah. <laughs> it's wild. I mean, I get it. If you're like, there's some people she lifts weights with and they're teenagers and they're really into strength and that's awesome. And like even Stan efforting, mm-hmm. but I look at Stan efforting and I'm like, you're a fucking mutant, dude. I, yeah. I, I, this is a whole other thing. And, and that's his life. My life is not lifting weights. You know, it's sure. not my life is more, uh, revolves more around fat loss than it does about building muscle or strength, Mm -hmm. you know? Well, even though you're, you're more focused on fat loss, you got a good amount of muscle on you. I've seen pictures and highlights before and you you build an awesome physique. Thank you. And that's the other thing is I I go like, I'm not going to be a bodybuilder. I'm not, I'm not a bodybuilder. I don't, I don't really care about like, you know, there's no Mm. thing inside me saying lift heavier. It's just not in me. Um, Mm -hmm. I don't care enough to tell my 18 18 year old kids some number, like I'm not going to go do that for her. So like what, that's the other thing is like, I think I had to get really real with my priorities, which were, I don't want to lose muscle. I want to preserve it. And you know, when you really look at the the science in in muscle preservation, it's not a lot of work. It's you don't have yeah. to kill yourself in the gym at all. Yeah, it's the there's some really cool research out there saying like, you know, the the amount of total volume it takes to build muscle, it's a third of that at like the the lowest, if not more, a sixth or a seventh, or even in older like elderly populations like a ninth so again it doesn't take much yeah yeah right if if uh but it but yeah the build that's that's what kind of got me too 
to kind of change gears because I was working out for a while with this, like, I got to get the four pounds of muscle per year that I can get. Mm -hmm. And then I was like, who cares? Yeah. I mean, I understand if you're, if you, if you've been deteriorating for a long time, then maybe like those four pounds mm-hmm. are super vital. I don't need those four pounds. I really don't. Yeah, you're, I'm you're a strong enough fucking dude. Yeah. Yeah. And, yeah. and if you're benching 225 for set, sets of 12, you're doing a okay. It's totally fine. Yeah, exactly. That <laughs> yeah. was my attitude too. And she's like, this kid, he's 18. He benched 405 for two. And I'm like, good for him. He's 18. What do I yeah. care? You know? <laughs> Um, Gerald, this has been awesome. Thank you so much for talking to me. I really appreciate it. And, uh, I love following you on Instagram. Thank you. I really, really appreciate it. It's been an honor chatting with you for this last hour. And yeah, thank you so much for having me. It's been a pleasure. All right. Talk soon. And now for the Q and a today's question comes from Jordan. Hi, Jordan. Jordan says I'm from Canada and I'm 28 years old, 6'2 and currently 265 pounds. My largest was at 17 years old during high school, weighing in at 362 pounds. This ultimately stemmed from living with a single mom, working three jobs and living on quick frozen meals, juice, pop, chips, and everyone's modern day enemy, fast food. I have lost a significant amount of weight and my fiance and I are both avid gym goers and make a continuous effort each day to move our bodies and eat healthy. My question for you is, at what point did you decide to start tracking your macros, weigh food and count calories? My journey has resulted from prioritizing high protein foods, healthy carbs and fats, meal prepping and controlling portion sizes. But I've heard you talk many times about having a goal, whether it be a goal weight, pant size, body shape. And many times I've thought about tracking my macros, weighing portions, counting calories, but I've never had a real goal in mind since my weight loss journey, uh, which except for building muscles. Wow. Uh, I mean, listen, Jordan lost a hundred pounds, right? Or more. Mm-hmm. And I don't, I don't know what what his goals are exactly beyond what he's done like when you said 62260 i was like okay and you and you're down from 360 that's pretty fucking good um if you want to lose more weight you could track that stuff but i think you know as as long as you're prioritizing protein the other stuff doesn't matter as much i mean it would it, it comes down to like what's helping you most in the gym. Like if you want to have more carbs um, and that makes you feel better, fine. Or if you want to have more fat and less carbs, but at that point, and after having lost hundred pounds, if you want to lose more weight, tracking total calories is probably, is probably a better option. Um, when I had a ton of weight to lose, I didn't track so meticulously. But towards the end, when I when I was like, um, you know, had 20 pounds to lose, that's when it got really, really important that I got in, you know, 250 grams of protein every day. And I was weighing my food and actually measuring my cup of rice. I don't track at all anymore, really. I just make sure that, you know, every meal has some vegetables 
and is is protein forward. So I, I want protein to make up the the bulk of my meal, not by leaps and bounds. You know, I'm not eating four chicken breasts and one sprig of broccoli and a teaspoon of rice, but I, I am thinking first and foremost that the star of the meal is protein. And then it kind of depends on how I feel, uh, whether I'm going to go with a fat or a carb on any given day um, and how I'm going to work out. I, I don't love eating carbs late at night, but that, you know, this all becomes like my personal preference and stuff that I've noticed that I feel better when I have my carbs earlier in the day and actually have them around to work out before and after. Um, so the, the tracking and the meticulousness, yeah, I don't know how much weight Jordan wants to lose. If he's trying to get bigger with muscle, I don't know that he should be in a deficit, but the, the, he's lost a hundred pounds. That's amazing. And he prioritizes protein. Amazing. They go to the gym. Amazing. Like he's doing everything right. Yeah, exactly. That's awesome. I love though that you pointed out, like when you were trying to lose a large amount of weight, you weren't as focused on that. Cause I just feel like there's, you know, I'm out here, a person always, you know, trying to lose and I'm listening. It's like, there's so much information and that's just such a simple thing. And it's like, if it's not broken, don't fix it too, <laughs> you know? Yeah. And one other thing I want to say about goals, I love a goal. My issue with a goal that is like a fixed finite goal, like I want to wear a size 32 pants. For me, oftentimes that making a goal like that was troublesome because the minute that I reached that goal, I stopped striving for that goal because I'd gotten there. And so really, I cannot emphasize enough that my goal is to live the way I'm living for the rest of my life. There is, there is no, you know, if I could just lose 10 more pounds, everything will be perfect. I would like to lose 10 more pounds, but, you know, that's not, there's no finish line there. Mm-hmm. That's that's just, you know, it could take me a year to do that, and and that's okay um, because I'm on a I'm on a plan now that I'm happy with that's sustainable that has maintained almost 300 pounds of weight loss for a number of years, and so there's there's no, the short term goals are literally just like get to the gym every day make sure I get enough protein. Those are really my goals. The The goal is the structure that I've built for myself. And, yeah. and his structure sounds pretty phenomenal. So mm-hmm. if he wants to build in even more guidelines, that's totally fine. But he sounds like he's doing great. Yeah. Yeah. Awesome. Well, Jordan, thank you for sharing that with us. And let us know what you decide and how you do. For anyone else out there who has a question for Ethan, you can email us. It's hello at AmericanGlutton.net. Thanks for listening to this episode of American Glutton. I'm Ethan Suplee. You can follow us on Instagram at American Glutton Podcast. Sincerely. <laughs>